They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this madness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. My name is Ron Pashery, columnist for TJRWrestling.net. I'm here once again with the most incredible Donovan Lowdown Lloyd, no relation to Alo Aaron Lloyd. Donovan, how's it going? I'm good. Uh, I want to start it off a special way. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Donovan Lloyd, <laughs> and I go by AKA the Lowdown. And I'm going to give myself some new nicknames, a.k.a. the mouth of the bout, <laughs> a.k.a. the face of the heel, <laughs> a.k.a. the whole effing podcast. How are you, Ron? I'm doing great. Even better now. I love that intro. I'm glad that you kicked it off that way. Um, that's a lot. Yeah, you're like you're like the new Apollo Creed with all those nicknames. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, I guess it's a black thing. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Well, either way, I mean it as a sincere compliment. I love Apollo Creed. Uh, I love all of his nicknames. The Count of Monte Fisto being my favorite one. Um, (laughs) So this is not your normal Matt Madness wrestling podcast. This is not a Matt Madness unsanctioned. Not even 100% sure what to call this one. But you reached out. You heard a few comments made on a previous show. And you reached out and said, you know, I wish I could have been involved in that conversation. I think you're a very intelligent guy when it comes to all this stuff. Uh, you always bring up, you know, great thought-provoking questions every week. So I thought, you know what? If you want to talk about it, I would love to give you the opportunity to. So if you want to just kick it right off with that, what was it that you heard on the show that you really wanted to uh, to get into with us? Um, well, I'm, I, I mean, out of uh, uh, the community of people that we talk to about wrestling and such, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of us who are into UFC. I'm... And I'm not, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I would think I'm probably the most uh, uh, into it as, as far as I've seen. Um, I would agree. Watching it, watching it uh, more thoroughly. So um, just the, the, the talk of Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, I'm also a boxing fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've watched a lot of, of Mayweather fights and just kind of like there's a lot of comparisons between them two because there's, you know, a, a, I guess some sort of online thing going on between those two. <laughs> And I just kind of wanted to uh, speak on 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 Connor more so. I'm I'm a big Connor fan. I'm a big Floyd fan, and just kind of like the comparison between those two and why Floyd is is not as liked as Connor may be, and you know things of that nature. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing this. So, um, based on of the diff- on the comparisons of them, they're different one because you know Floyd has an unblemished record of fighting. Connor has some losses. Okay, that's a big, you know, that happens. Um, and especially in a different sport where you're boxing, you're just using your hands and mixed martial arts, you're using pretty much everything. So, right. you know, um, it's a, that even that is a difference, not to say that boxing soft or anything like that, but it's just like, you know, you're using one element versus another sport where you're using everything that you, you know, you're using multiple styles of fighting. But um, I think the big thing of why people hate Floyd so much versus why people may love Connor more. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there aren't Connor haters, because I, I watch a lot of Connor <laughs> fights and I go to you know public places and there's a lot of Connor haters there too. But you know he's he's one of those guys that you love to hate. Yeah, and Floyd's kind of that way. But it's like you know Floyd has fought a lot of fights where he hasn't fought who the fans or the people wanted him to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, just um, case in point, when he fought uh, the guy I forgot his first name, but uh, Guerrero. 
No one really. I mean, we yeah. watched it because Floyd's <laughs> fighting, but no one cared. You fought Madonna. You pretty much fought the guy who beat up your little brother in in uh in uh Adrian Broner. Mm-hmm. And you know, you your last fight, you fight Birdo. Like, like no one wanted to see you fight <laughs> fight Birdo. Like, we there's plenty of guys out there. You know, there's Keith Thurman, there's the Sean Porters, the um, Triple G's, who no one wants to fight him. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like, you know, even Danny Garcia, even though everyone knows he's not prepared for that fight, like we right. would have accepted that more than you going out fighting Andre Berto. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with Connor, it's a different thing because, and it's harder to take anything away from Connor because he's fought everyone that the UFC has put in front of him. Not only does he go on, you know, on, on it, on the platforms that he's supposed to and talks about, you know, these fights and he talks a bunch of trash. He does, which he, and a lot of people don't really notice because I pay attention to this too. Typically, mm-hmm. when they're promoting these fights, Connor, he's not off the bat just coming out and, you know, going at people. He's usually just, you know, he's really humble in the beginning, but people get so riled up yeah. and they go at him. And then that's when that whole thing changes. Like it happens a lot. Like even um when they did the press conference for 200, even though he didn't fight at 200. Mm-hmm. When they did the press conference for it, you know, people were asking him questions, and then you got people just, you know, jumping at him and saying things. It's like, you know, so it's just like you can't expect that man to just remain humble when you come at him. Like, then you're going to get the other side of him. Like, even with, right. you know, Alvarez, when they did his press conference, you know, he was just like, you know, Eddie. And he didn't even, he wasn't even saying anything bad initially, or it didn't sound like he was going mm-hmm. to. And Eddie, just watch it, watch it. It's like, <laughs> you know, then after that, he turned on. Like, what are you yeah. going to do? What are you going to Like, it's like. You should just let the guy say what he was going to say. It may not even been that bad. Like even with Diaz, like, and that was probably the best promo ever because like you got two guys out there who don't care. Like right. Diaz, I don't even. I think I don't even think he's just like he's just in his own mind enough to even listen to what Connor's saying to let him get to him. So yeah. like, but it's it's harder to take anything away from Connor because he's fought everyone that the UFC has put in front of him, and he's always called out the best, and he's went and fought the best. Like he's fought, he's won through everyone. He's cleared out a whole division, mm-hmm. then went to a whole uh, a whole another division. He didn't clear it out, but he went to straight to the top of that division, yeah. and he fought who he needed to fight to get to that belt. Mm-hmm. He and dominated. It's to take that away. Yeah, and it's harder to take that away from him. And like, I mean, granted, he's not you know he's, his ground game is not that great, like, but you know it's hard to even get him to the ground to, to even expose that because you have to get past that left hand first. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that about Connor. So. And I don't know how much you've seen of Chuck Liddell because he was, you know, more like 10 years ago. And I know you're younger than me. But Chuck Liddell, that was people's thing, was out. He doesn't have a ground game. But he was so good at keeping the fight on the feet that he would ultimately knock you out. And that's what Connor does. Like, you saw Mendez was able to take him down. But Diaz wasn't able to. Alvarez wasn't able to. Like, he works on his takedown defense so he doesn't have to be on the ground. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, he knows what he's not good at. So what you do is you accentuate what you're good at. And this is a weird comparison, but I'll use it anyway. Mm-hmm. In the movie Annie. <laughs> wow. The, Did not the, see it the, going there. The newer one, you know, she she was, you know, a singer, dancing, things like that. Mm-hmm. And when it came to the point where she had to read, she flipped out. And they're like, well, what are you? what's wrong? Why are you flipping out? And she's like, because I can't read, so mm-hmm. I mask it by doing all these other things. It's the same thing in the fight game. When you're terrible at something, even if people know you're terrible at something, you mask it. You just accentuate what you're really good at, and you went off of that. Like, you just, that's all you have to do. Like, Yeah, and that's what yeah. he does. Like you said, his left hand, uh, his... I've, I've made fun of uh, Goldberg announcing UFC in the past because I've heard him use the phrase that someone's precision is very precise. 
When it's like, well, obviously their precision would be precise. It's hard to have precision that's not precise. Precise, is, but, yes, <laughs> it's deriving from that word. So. Exactly. But his precision, where from any angle, he can hit you with that left hand. He hits you flush with it more often than not. Uh, the only time you didn't see him hitting a guy flush was when he started to get tired. It was the first maybe opening 40 seconds against Diaz, and then when he got tired against Diaz. Uh, but yes. once he kind of gauged that distance, he was hitting him with that left hand clean every time he threw it. Yeah, and even that first fight, and that that's what, like, oh, my gosh, like, it upsets me about that first fight because people are like, oh, Connor got his behind. And he's like, he didn't get his behind. He got choked. Like, he got choked out. You didn't get your behind with, but you got choked out. Like, he beat Diaz majority of that fight that they had. He just got tired. He got windy. You're fighting at a higher – you're fighting with more weight on you. And you're, you know, you're accustomed to fighting lighter weight and doing more stuff with it. So when you're mm-hmm. doing all that stuff and you have more weight on you, you're weighing yourself down and you haven't trained yourself to move that way with that weight. So it's just like, you can't say like, oh, he got his behind beat. Like he lost the fight. Yes. But he didn't get his behind beat. Like kind of was beating him. Like he just got choked out. Yeah. And in that second fight, you could tell <laughs> the difference. Like he, like you could see on Diaz's face, like it was nothing he could really do. Like he had a couple spots. And then, you know, but it wasn't much you could really do. And I got in an argument with, with my friend that night because he's <laughs> like, Diaz might have had more rounds. I'm like, how do you have more rounds? You got took down twice in one round. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, there's no way that you can be up on the cards when you're already down in one <laughs> round lower than you would be any other round. So I'm like, if he's like at a 10-9, that round, you're at like a 10-8, a 10-7. You were taken down twice. Mm-hmm. And your face was beat on that whole round. So like, there's no way you're coming back to win that. Yeah. He got knocked down twice in the first, once in the second. So to me, yeah, I watched that fight. Connor, I thought, had a 10-8 first round, at least a 10-9 second round. I thought he lost the third round. I thought he won the fourth, and then he lost the fifth. But I had him, like, no doubt about it winning that fight. Yeah, there's no way you could come back after that. Like, you're down, you're still down a whole round by two points. Yeah, and Diaz, I think after the fight, said, like, ah, he really didn't do nothing to me. It's like, look at your face. You do not look like the same human being after this fight as you did before that fight. I I feel like if Diaz isn't dead, he doesn't feel like anything was affected. You're right. Like, he's just like, oh, I'm alive, so, you know, he didn't do anything. He was like, I I guess, like, I guess that's your logic, so. Yeah, he's a tough dude. I got to give the Diaz brothers credit. They're both tough. They're both durable. They both can take a beating. But he did not. He got killed for ninety percent of their first fight, and he got killed for at least sixty percent of the second fight. Yeah, but I think his whole the whole strength, the real big strength of those two is like they like their mental game is just ridiculous. Like they block a, they block trash talk like crazy. Like they just legitimately do not care. Like Diaz literally said nothing but cuss words in every promotion for those fights. Like he just either that or he was quiet. Like. That dude, like, just literally is, mm. like, he just does not care. So. Right. <laughs> now, to, to get back to Floyd a little bit, like you said, uh, one of the things people respect about Conor is he's fought anyone they've put in front of him. Um, and this is one of the things that made me a huge BJ Penn fan back in the day. Is like, if they told him, hey, Brock Lesnar's opponent dropped out, will you fight him next week? BJ Penn would have gone and done it. He would have <laughs> fought at heavyweight to fight Brock Lesnar if they offered it to him. I feel like Conor, same thing. If they told him, oh, you know... 185, we need somebody to fight for that title. He'd go do it. He might lose. He might get smoked, but he'd do it. Floyd, you mentioned... Oh, oh, this is the other thing. His, as much as he can be cocky and arrogant, you mentioned his humility. 
I've never seen a guy as humble as Connor was after he lost to Nate Diaz because he went out and said, hey, you know, he was the better man tonight. He beat me. I'm either winning or I'm learning. I'm going to go learn from this. I'm going to be better next time. And what did he do? He worked hard. He applied the lessons that he learned in the next fight, and he won. So to me, that shows a lot of humility to a guy that people think is just a lot of trash talk. There's way more to him than that. Floyd. He's even going on a record to say that he respects Diaz. So, you know. Yeah, he's, he's. He said that about he said it about Alvarez as well. He now he did say he shouldn't be in here with me, but he said like you know I I tip my cap to him. He came in here and fought me. Like he he respects everybody he goes in there with. Now yeah. Floyd, you mentioned he hasn't always fought those guys. And one thing you, you mentioned Danny Garcia not prepared for that fight. Um, you probably are watching more boxing recently than I have. But this is a feeling I had about when Floyd fought Canelo like four years ago or three years ago, whenever it was. I thought he was getting Canelo out of the way before he was really ready to fight a guy like Floyd. Now, yeah. do you feel the same way about that, or do you have maybe a different view on Canelo? Out? Um, yeah, because and I feel like if they did, if they had put Danny Garcia in that situation, it would be the same thing. Like Canelo was fighting a lot of people, but I feel like they were bringing Canelo in at a time where he wasn't exactly hitting his prime and like knowing how to fight someone like a Floyd yet. Like, I think, like, you know, he definitely was a, a, a big kid, and he, you know, he could handle himself in there, but he, it wasn't, he wasn't prepared to fight Floyd, you know what I mean? And I feel like at that point, more so probably beforehand, Floyd just started fighting guys who were, you know, they weren't who people really wanted him to see. Now, Canelo may have been one of those fights that people wanted to see because Canelo's star was rising at that mm-hmm. point. Um, but, like, you know, even, like, with the whole thing with him and Pacquiao, like we wanted to see that fight, but that fight, we wanted to see that fight for years. And like, yeah. you, it's basically the point when we got it, Pacquiao wasn't, he he wasn't who he was. He at, wasn't Pac-Man you know, anymore. Yeah. He wasn't who he was. So it's like, you, you basically, you, you fought him when it's like, you know, bones to pick at this point. So, and you know, even with that, like, I just feel like, you know, when he fought Canelo, like it was a good fight. And I think like Canelo was, he would do, but I just feel like, you know, if he'd have fought Canelo after he got some, some other fighters under him, especially some uh, more bigger name fighters under him, mm-hmm. I think it would have been more of a build for their fight, but I'm not mad at, um, at the time of when they fought, I think, I still think like, you know, it was a, it was a good fight to watch. So. It was, and there was intrigue to it because Canelo was a different type of opponent. But I just, I definitely felt that way leading up to that fight. Like, this is a guy who's not quite ready yet. And Floyd is smart to fight him right now instead of waiting two, three years when maybe he's lost another half step and Canelo has kind of gained some ground on him. He kind of did it when the time was right for him. Um, Now, but even Danny Garcia, is that... Because I know you you wanted to kind of compare the fight game a little bit to NXT. Uh, do you think D- Danny Garcia even has the type of star power that would have gotten fans interested? Um, I feel like he's he's kind of him. Danny right now is kind of in a place where Can- Canelo probably was at that point. Like his star is rising, um, but he has to fight. There's some like. There's some people who he needs to fight. There's some. I mean, my favorite fight with with, with Danny has been uh, him versus Amir Khan because um, I like both of them guys. Mm-hmm. But he needs to fight a couple more guys who has name. You know, who has a name. Um, and like right now in the boxing game, there's there's some stars. They're not huge stars that draw a lot of attention. 
but there's a lot of stars and like you know I there's Triple G there's you know Keith Thurman there's Sean Porter mm-hmm. there's uh you know uh there's a bunch of guys um so and I feel like if you want to be the best like these are the mix of guys whether they all fight each other or they're fighting whoever like you have to fight these guys like I mean even uh, I think last week and the weekend before last there was um the uh, Kovalev and um, Andre Ward fight, like that's yeah. a big fight, but it hasn't had, a, it probably didn't have a whole bunch of attention on it that it could have and should have. Right. But you know that that's a big fight, but you know, and uh, but I think it's 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 boxing and like, and like you said, reverting it to NXT. It's in a place right now where a lot of the bigger stars that we had, they're gone and they're they're taking their time building these new. Uh, these new guys up and they're not exactly drawing the attention right now but it doesn't it doesn't mean that they won't draw the attention or they won't get back where they were before because there's a lot of guys who a lot of good boxers right now that are boxing they just have to figure out okay how do we push these guys that people will uh will give their attention to it and actually put you know butts in the seats right yeah like the boxing game there's guys that just aren't quite to that level yet, but eventually they will be built to that level. You think NXT is doing a similar thing. They have guys yeah. with the potential that they're just not quite ready to be in the spotlight yet. Yeah, and I, and I know that I'm not sure exactly what other big fights are coming. I know next year we're supposed to get Canelo Alvarez versus Triple G. Mm-hmm. So, And I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. That's a big fight that may bring generate that interest back into the sport but you we need more fights like that where the promotion for it is like is big like because at this point like even ufc like they're 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 doing well they're not like doing they're not hurting at all but still like they're heavily promoted like they're you know and it's a one promotion as well with boxing you have a lot of promotions so mm-hmm. it's easier to promote with one promotion and just, you know, promote like that versus boxing where there's multiple promotions. And, you know, you can have one promotion that promotes well, one promotion that kind of eh, promotes and then, you know, that kind of loses the interest of the sport because people, you know, they'd be like, oh, such and such is fighting tonight. And it's like, really? Well, I didn't know they were fighting because <laughs> it's not heavily promoted. So I yeah. just think the promotion needs to be better and the fights need to be, you know, better and what the fans want to see, especially if you're a, a, a boxing fan who watches it all the time. You need to give to give us what we want to see. Yeah, the other benefit UFC has is, like you said, it's one promotion. There's one champion in each division, uh, and it's a constant grind. It's all the same brand. Like every month, you know there's going to be a, a 205, a 206, a 207. You know you're going to get a fight night here and there. So there's always they're constantly in promotion. You always know there is something coming up for UFC. Uh, whereas boxing, like you said, there there have been big fights I didn't know were happening until like Friday of the week they were happening. Yeah, and that's not a, a good business model where people who may want to tune into a fight are finding out the day before, or the day of, or sometimes even the day after. Yeah, <laughs> finding out the, um, sometimes. A lot of the fights that I know are coming. I listen to an, another podcast. Um, called the corner and they they talk about mixed martial arts boxing wrestling so a lot of the the stuff that i know about or that i keep in touch with about boxing comes from listening to them because they're reporters who they do they go and they do a lot of the on-hand reporting at these events for boxing and mixed martial arts stuff like that so that's pretty much how i how i'm kept abreast about what's going on in boxing because other than that, like I don't, I don't watch a lot of the fights. Like I watch the highlights to keep up and see who's mm-hmm. coming up, who who I think you know is interesting to me. But other than that, it's like you're not giving us the fights that we really want to see. So I'm not gonna give a whole lot of interest to it. Right, and I don't blame you for that. 
Now, NXT, this is one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on, is because, as you know, we, we've discussed this before, that I've not been as high on NXT the last couple of months as I was previously. Um, and you know, you know the other guys on the show, Aaron, Eric, Joe, are feeling a similar way. Um, now you, on the other hand, you're, you're seeing, I feel like you're seeing the seeds being planted, whereas we feel like we're watching grass grow, uh, which is a, a very different perspective. So what do you, who, who do you see that's a young up and comer that you think is going to be a difference maker in NXT right now? Um, I think when, when they get Amber, uh, not Amber, um, Ember Moon, mm-hmm. once once they get her situated and start pushing her, I think she'll she'll have a a good match with Oscar if you know Oscar's still on there around the time when they built her up to the point to get them to uh, fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's doing great. Me personally, I'm sorry if people like her. I don't mm-hmm. see the big deal about Liv Morgan. Like, <laughs> I just don't like she's like baby Carmella to me. Like, uh, so I'm not the biggest Liv Morgan fan myself. So I feel like they probably need to change her her gimmick because it's very Carmella ish. Like she comes out and super hype and it's you know it's just it's baby Carmella. That's that's just what I see when I see her and I don't I'm not I'm not amazed by her at all. Yeah, the skipping um, around, I, the dancing, the jersey instead of yeah. Staten Island. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into it. Um, I really, really like TM61. Like, I really wish they would have kept the Mighty Don't Neal as their name. Um, I actually used that for my uh, gamer tag for on my PlayStation. Um, <laughs> I really? like that so much. Yeah, like I like that name. I really wish they would have kept it. But I really like those two guys. Like, I feel like they're gonna be a good tag team. I think they're gonna come up and do well. I'm not too keen on the authors of pain, but I know that the WWE is good with how they handle big guys. Mm-hmm. So I think if they can handle them correctly and they give them the proper push, I think they'll be good. Um, I think who else? I think the, the uh, sanity, I don't, I'm not too big on them right now either, but they're probably the biggest faction that I've seen in NXT. And I think that's a big deal that not just have a, a, a group that's just a tag team or whatever, but an actual four person faction. And it's one that especially has a female in it, mm-hmm. and it's different. It's not like you know, it's not super classed up. It's you know, we're dirty, it's rugged, and it's you know, <laughs> we're a bunch of savages who are put together. So I think if they continue to book that properly as well, I think that'll eventually get over. And I, I and I seriously think right now they have you know some names there, and they need to utilize them. You know, you have your Bobby Roode there, and the glorious thing is like super over. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to use that. I think Ty Dillinger is going to get pushed into one of those main player spots now because he's been there so long. He's one of the people who's still there. So I think they they, they need to kind of catapult him into, like, you know, the main picture as well. You still have Knock there. You still have Joe there. You know, so you need to utilize these people to also, you know, help, you know, keep things relevant, but to also use them as you're, you know, developing this other talent. Do you think – you mentioned Ty Dillinger – I hope they do this. Do you think Ty Dillinger enters the Royal Rumble at number 10? I didn't even think about that, but that's a great idea. <laughs> like <laughs> that, and that, and get, It will get a major pop. I'm usually not good at that type of thing, uh, like, but 
I think I started getting kind of annoyed even during Survivor Series when the countouts were happening and the crowd is just counting 10 every time. And I started thinking, I was like, well, 10 is clearly over. Why not have this guy come out number 10 in the Royal Rumble? I feel like yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know if they will, but I think they should. I mean, I, even if they just do it just for the Royal Rumble, I think it's worth the pop. Like, it's worth just doing it just, you know, because that's his thing. But I think that even that's even more of a testament to say, like, okay, people say NXT is not over, but they're sounding something from NXT at a main <laughs> roster show. That's a good point. <laughs> because they are. And it's and I'm happy for him because, like you said, he's been there forever. Uh, and they didn't do anything with him for a really long time. And he was in danger of being known as, like, the guy who was Jason Jordan's tag team partner before he found Chad Gable. And then he somehow found this thing that has really caught on. He's almost like, the, you, before we started, you mentioned Tyler Breeze and how better utilized he was in NXT than he has been on the main roster. I feel like Ty Dillinger is similar, that he's gotten so over and he's so beloved by the NXT fans, but I just don't know what they're going to do with him. Do you, do you see, like, a bright future for him at some point? Uh, if he stays in NXT, I think he'll be fine. But once he goes up to the main roster, they're gonna he's, they're gonna job him out. I think. And do you think it's if a guy has a career in NXT, do you think NXT is getting to the point where that is a really good career, or is that similar to being like a career minor league baseball player? Um, I think it depends on the person and the opportunity that they have. Like I don't know if it's true or not, but I've seen. Uh, Thing saying that you know Joe is making like main roster money, but he's to stay in NXT. So I'm like, if you're making major roster money, stay in mm-hmm. NXT. If you're if you have a deal like that and you're getting your push and your you know things like that in NXT, you're doing better there, and you feel like you may be better there than the main roster. Then I would say stay on NXT as long as you as you possibly can because once you get to the main roster you may get lost in the shuffle. So, you know, you may be this great product on NXT, but once you go to the main roster, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. Look at Bo Dallas. Look at Neville. <laughs> look at, you know, all these people who are great NXT products, and they get to the main roster, and it's just like they get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, Sami Zayn. <laughs> Perfect example. Sam, Sam, I would say Sami, but I, 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 I wouldn't say Sami because Sami is at least on TV weekly. We see him. So... He is now. Not, he had a good month where he was he was just yeah, he non-existent. Did. Apollo Crews is another guy like like you don't see him. You know what happened there? Like what? Why did they do Apollo Crews so dirty? I personally think that he was pushed too fast without a character. And I think they thought, oh, he's a big guy. He'll get over eventually, da da da, da. And they realized, like, okay, he's a, good, he's a good wrestler, but he's not getting over. Or maybe he is, I don't know. But I just feel like they pulled him back and said, okay, we're going to work on him a little bit more before we put him out again. Because, like, you know, he's a great wrestler. Like, you can't take that mm-hmm. away from him. But as far as, like, his promos and stuff like that, like, he's – like I used to cringe when Roman Reigns would talk. I super cringed when when he talked. You know, what I mean, even though there was, you know, there's a great moment when uh, when Daniel Bryan called him Apollo Creed. Like I love yeah. that. Like, that was hilarious. <laughs> but other than that, it's like you know, really like there's not much to do with him right now without a, a solid character, because like you know, you you can't really carry out a rivalry if you can't talk. Like I just feel, like, I personally feel like that. Either like either you don't talk at all, or you got to be able to talk. Yeah, what you're saying right now is one of the most baffling things 
of 2016 in wrestling to me is they bring in Apollo Crews with, with all this hype. You know, he comes in, a lot of people knew who he was from the indies, a lot of people were excited for him. They kind of shot him out of a cannon at TakeOver Brooklyn in 2015. And like what you're saying, they never gave him a character. This is what blows my mind, is that is what NXT is for. You're, not, you're mostly not learning how to wrestle when you're on NXT TV. You're mostly learning how to get over with the crowd, how to be a character, how to connect with the fans. And they never did that with him. And that's what NXT is for. Pretty much, yeah. They just stayed, they pretty much were just kind of pushing him through. And like even on the main roster, like something as small as like when he does the thing with his hands, there's no smoke that comes out. Like you're robbing this man of his interest at this point. Like yeah. you're taking yeah. away pieces of what he's built. Like, and I hate that when they come up to the main roster, like you should have them properly set up, like from their entrance to what they've done. Like you should do that, like all the way through, because it's the same thing that got them got them through NXT. So they even like when Bailey, you know, came up her first time, like they didn't have the the wacky inflatable tube man. Like why didn't you have that there? Like that's a part of her entrance. That's a part of what people like about her entrance. Like why would you not do that? So it's just like everything that you've done with them in NXT, bring that up with them to the main roster because, you know, a lot of those fans there they don't watch NXT. They don't, you know what I mean, they may not have any ties of what's going on in the network at all. So mm-hmm. it's like the same thing that you did to get them over in NXT implement that when you bring them to the main roster because those who know who they are, they're going to love it regardless. And those who don't know, they're going to eventually learn to love it because everyone else ha- already did. Like, it's already been over and another thing. But I, me personally, I already feel like when you're NXT, that crowd is a, it's a different crowd there mm-hmm. versus with... I hate watching the, the, the weekly crowd. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrible a lot of the time. Like, I'd rather watch... Like, honestly, I'd rather, like, them have smaller venue crowds and just do that because like you know those core group of people like especially in florida like i feel mm-hmm. like that's the best crowd for television because for nxt like you could be like some lower level guy and like if you have something that'll get over like that crowd will play it up like i'm not a big no way jose fan like i don't <laughs> care nothing about it really but like that dude comes out and that crowd is into it so it's just like you have to have a crowd that's into it like that'll help that get over but once it comes to the main roster, that's a different type of crowd. So everything's not going to get over like that. And it sucks for the, for, for those characters. Yeah, they, you're right, though. Because as much as that crowd can grate on some people viewing at home's nerves, they do a lot to lift a lot of the talent up down there. Like you just mentioned No Way Jose. They make him look important when he comes out. They do the same thing for Ty Dillinger. They do that for Bobby Roode, even though Bobby Roode has more of a following than a lot of these guys. Like they they kind of elevate these guys with the way they react to them. Yeah. Um, now we got into NXT. We got into Conor McGregor. Uh, before you know, we take it to the end of the show. Uh, you have any other thoughts? Anything else you want to touch on while well, I have I you on say, the show? I have to say, um, in reference, because I know people are are down to NXT a lot. Um. Uh-huh. And, and I know we talked about this before we um, started, but mm-hmm. um, basically, and you wanted me to bring this point up, NXT, no, is, right. <laughs> is, they're basically doing the same thing that the WCW and WWE did in the Attitude Area. They're just they're, they're, they're picking talent from other promotions and they're bringing them onto their brand. It's the same thing that EC, uh, ECW had to go through back in the Attitude Area. Era. Like they, they had uh, a lot of wrestlers who were plucked from them 
and went to WCW or WWE. And they had to continuously rebuild people, rebuild people, rebuild people until they, they, they pretty much closed their doors. Yeah. And you're basically, your, your thought is NXT is in the same position ECW was, which that, first yeah. time I've heard that comparison made. And I think it's a really good comparison because like that, as, as much as, you know, it might have been good for Raw and SmackDown, the, the draft, it decimated NXT in July. Like everybody that was popular pretty much, except for Bailey, was gone. Yeah, All in that, one swoop. That, that draft had NXT looking like Black Friday after Sarah. <laughs> like, it was just the remains of what was left there. <laughs> just barren shelves, picked clean. Yeah, so it was just like they had to they had to build up from that. But but you feel like they're doing a good job of keeping the product something people will pay money to go see when it's in their city while they're also starting to build up some of the younger people. And actually, I'm glad you didn't let me move on from this, because I had another question. How do you feel about Shawn Michaels being a coach uh, at the Performance Center? I think it's good because he's, uh, if not, I mean, I would think he is. He's probably he's the ultimate showman when it comes to wrestling. Like, you know, Period. When people say who's the best performance performer, they say Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know you're trying to get these people to be great performers. Who better to learn than from the person who is dubbed as the greatest performer in wrestling? Right. Um, so you know, okay. I feel like it's a great deal. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. And Aaron actually was the one who brought this up uh, a few months ago. That uh, he feels like some of the character development in NXT suffered after Dusty Rhodes passed away. Absolutely. And I feel like while HBK is not the same as Dusty Rhodes, I feel like there's a level of, like you said, showmanship, uh, a level of character and emotion that he will show these kids that they're not getting at this point. Uh, so I, I'm super excited to see, you know, what, I don't know if he started there yet. But when he starts, I'm curious to see what happens over that following year after he actually starts. Well, I heard him. I heard he's coming, and I heard – I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard a story that Steve Carino is coming there too. I did see that. I wasn't sure if that was true or not. Um, that would be good I too. I honestly forgot who the heck – like when I seen the ECW stuff, and I was like, yo, I'm like – because I watched <laughs> a lot of the other promotions, but like – I never put two and two together like that's the same Steve Carino, like that's right. Steve Carino. So when I seen the old ECW footage, I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, that's him? Like I'm like, dang, like and it's like you you forget how long ECW how long ago it was. And you see him now, you're like, dang, like you like you got old. Like what happened? Right. But it's crazy how long ago that was. I mean, fifteen years ago it closed its doors. Yeah, but when you watch it, it's just like, you know, it brings you back to yesterday, and it's like, it's like it, it, it was just yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So, and, I, and I'm, I, but I'm very happy that they, they, they've been um, doing a lot of the ECW stuff lately, just kind of like bringing, because it's like, honestly, like ECW, like, it really, like, it was, it was the gas pump for WCW and ECW and Attitude Area. Like, they were fueling both companies with talent. Oh, yeah. Like, and they were pushing, like, I know Vince gets a lot of credit for the Attitude Era, but the ECW was pushing that envelope way before WCW and WWF were. Absolutely. Now, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was, 
So, Just so you know what you're saying. Yeah, I know that you have a couple of WWE main roster issues that you have, and I know you have some. Uh, you have an updated list of some of your favorites. So yeah. I want you to jump into whichever one you'd rather get to first out of those two topics. Um, just based off of, it's uh, kind of dwelling back into my childhood a little <laughs> bit, trying to remember who some of my favorites were. Just seeing a lot of the old content. I had to, uh, I, I, on the last episode that I did, I gave my Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. but I wanted to add to more of who my favorite wrestlers were as a kid growing up. Um, so I, I, I'll do that one first. Okay. Um, I'll start with saying Billy Kidman. Good one. Um, especially when he was, you know, with the T-shirt and <laughs> the jean shorts um, uh-huh. era. I uh, really like Billy Kidman. Um, I liked Juventud Guerrero, the Juice. Another good one. Another, yeah, I liked him. Uh, obviously, Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, Eddie Guerrero. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. <laughs> Always Scott a good Hall. one. Always a good one as well. Uh, Owen Hart. Another great one. <laughs> now this is where it goes out of more so WWE for for when I became fans of them. Right. I'm going to throw on P.D. Williams. Okay. I'm going to throw in Taz. All right. And I'm going to throw in Rob Van Dam. RVD, the whole effing show. So two guys you specifically mentioned there, I actually want to get a thought from you on. First one being Scott Hall. You, I, I know you heard an episode where we were mentioning like the best guys to never win the world championship. Right. And my choice was Scott Hall and uh, – one of our co-hosts, Paul Carboni, vehemently disagreed with me about Razor Ramon being championship material. I know you're a big Scott Hall guy. Uh, do you did you see him as world championship potential? Do you think he was good as being like the top of the mid card? I think he was good at being the top of the mid card, but I also think he could have been the champion. I mean, he couldn't have done no worse than Diesel. <laughs> That's true. The worst, the worst. Our friend of the show, Joe Lafferty, loves to call him the worst drawing champion of all time. Would I mean, you, that's the internet wrestling community thing, yeah. period. Like, a lot of people think he was. <laughs> yeah, now, do you see, do you think it was more Razor Ramon could have been the WWF champion or more that Scott Hall in WCW should have been, you know, the world heavyweight champion? I think, I don't know. I feel like in WWE. He, he could have been the champion mm-hmm. because he was less connected to a faction. I felt like when they got to WCW, it more so looked as Kevin Nash was more so the Kevin Nash or Hogan were like the main title, like the big title holder guys, mm-hmm. and and Hall was probably like you know the mid card holder guy. Yeah. Um, but I feel like definitely as, as Razor Ramon, he he could have got a title shot at least or a title reign at least. Yeah, I I agree with that. And then Taz, we mentioned that on our last show uh, with Paul and Joe, whether Taz should have been the WWE champion. Um, Do you see him in that light as well or not Taz? I feel like if his career would have prolonged, I feel like it it should have happened or could have happened. Um, But I feel like for the period of time that he was there, he was still kind of building. So you don't think he ever quite got to his peak where he would have been a world champion in WWF? No. No. I, I would agree with that. Like, I think I always really liked the way Taz carried himself 
Like, he was very an, an intimidating guy, and for a guy of his height to come across as intimidating says a lot about his, you know, his personality and his ability to perform. But I do think you're right, that he was one of those guys that just never quite got to that point. It wasn't so much that he couldn't do it. He just didn't quite get there in the time that he was given. Yeah, but uh, had he had that time, I think he would have he gotten there. Uh, I agree. And um, so out of the past and into the present, what is it that's bothering you on the main roster of WWE right now? Well, one thing, um, I, I'm not really seeing how people are saying that Raw is better than SmackDown because I feel like even though SmackDown has a thin roster with the amount of people that they have, they're building great stories with the amount of people that they have. And every week, like, it's probably been one since the brand split where I was like, ah, that SmackDown could have been better. <laughs> Maybe two. But I feel like every week they, they're building off of their stories and they're doing a, a good job of putting on a show every week. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lot less filler on the show, which makes it better because we don't have to sit through segments. Um, you know, example, given the Cesaro, Sheamus, Mars. <laughs> and we don't have to sit through that crap when it comes to SmackDown. And it's, they're letting more of their people go. Like, you know what I mean? Like on, on, on Raw, Alexa Bliss would not be in the title picture right now. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just like they're, they're giving more of a, of a chance to people like that. Um, and I, I honestly feel like the like it's weird seeing 205 live on Tuesday nights after SmackDown. That we're <laughs> obviously wrestling where SmackDown is. Yeah. They should have just sent the division to SmackDown. Right. Because it's weird to say, oh, we're, we're wrestling on Raw. Then we have to go where SmackDown is and record there. Like, just put them on SmackDown and let it all be there. Like It is weird. Uh, and I didn't watch it uh, this week. But I do think it's weird that they're doing that. They're on Raw, but then they're taping right after SmackDown the next night. It, it, it is weird. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pointless. It's just like, just send the division. And like, and where's the trade? Like, where are the trades? Where are the, like, the, like, the only person who has switched shows is Jack Swagger. And, like, no one cares. And he's gone already. Like, <laughs> and he hasn't even been on television. So it's like, you that was a wasteless, like, that was a waste of contract signing. Like, so it's just like there's obviously people who just need to leave Raw. Cesaro needs to leave Raw. Sami Zayn needs to leave Raw, and they need to go over to SmackDown. Now, me personally, I feel like maybe a Baron Corbin maybe needs to go to Raw, just because you know he's a big guy. They love big guys on that main roster show. And I feel like him versus a Braun Strowman would be dope. Uh, I agree with that. It's a good spot for him. I, did you, by any chance, think like I did? that Sammy was about to talk his way off of Raw and onto SmackDown on Monday night this past week. I was praying for it. <laughs> Unanswered, obviously, those prayers. And that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought it was going to be something where he got to that point where he got pissed off. He just walked off and then showed up on Raw and was talking to, you know, talking to Shane the next night or something. I feel like if they, like, they should have did him kind of like how NXT bought him Bobby Roode. Like, you know, you got Regal talking and then mm-hmm. you see him in the background going into office. Like, do that with Sam. <laughs> yeah. Like, have him going to Shane's office while Shane or Dane was talking and, you know, just just stuff like that. Yeah, for one thing, I mean, I know the, the idea of Stephanie not liking him and wanting to fire him has been brought up, and it was even brought up again this past Monday. 
But you can do something more creative than firing the guy for not winning the Intercontinental Championship. Like a trade would be more interesting, or at Survivor Series, if you saw him back there, because both brands were together at Survivor Series, if you saw him talking to Shane and Daniel Bryan kind of secretly, that's more interesting than just firing him off of Raw. Like the, I, If he does get fired and ends up hired by SmackDown, I'll be happy because he's in a better spot. But I think there's something better they can do there to get him there. I just yeah, wish actually do it. Yeah, I just feel like they should have like some sort of like show where, I don't know, where they just do trades or, you know, I don't know. They need to implement that more, though, because I know they were talking about it, but they haven't really done anything with it. Like, start seeing some sh- trades, start seeing some people pop up and, you know, get people on their right brand, you know, like, you know, so, but. Yeah, now you mentioned 205 Live, and this is my fear for 205 Live. It is going to end up not on Raw or SmackDown, and it's only going to end up on the network. Do you think there's any chance of that happening? I personally think that they should have done 205 Live the way that they do NXT. It should be in Florida. They should have their own thing and build like that and then eventually come up and compete for other titles or whatever because... I feel like it's it's killing the division. One to have them between both shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they're recording on SmackDown. They're mm-hmm. on Raw though, but it's just like that fan that crowd is. It's a casual crowd. Mm-hmm. So if they weren't watching the Cruiserweight Classic, they don't really appreciate these Cruiserweights right now. Right. So put them in front of the crowd that they wrestled in front of that got them over that appreciates them, and and do the show there, and then eventually bring them up like you do NXT people. So you would actually see it as a plus if they made 205 Live its own thing and that's where the cruiserweights were, and then they could graduate to the main roster. Yeah, because for me, I just feel like it's they're great wrestlers. It's a great show, like, don't get me wrong, but I mm-hmm. feel like you need to have that crowd behind them, and I feel like that crowd, like, and they're doing that, I think, at, like, the end of SmackDown, so it's like you have crowd there, but there's a lot of empty seats there. Yeah. Put them in front of a crowd who's going to come there, who's going to watch them wrestle, and who watch them wrestle in the summertime already, and who love them. Like, put them in front of the crowd that they want. Now, there's obviously, like, people that are going to, who are going to branch out, you know, automatically. You know, you Cedric Alexander's, your Brian Kendricks. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna, they're they're more main roster talent to me. Um, but you know, the rest of them, like, let them have their show, make it a promotion. I so th- my worry was that they Vince would look at it like, okay, these cruiserweights have failed on Raw, so let's give them their own show. And I do think so. Why I was I feared it was for that very reason that they're. Wrestling in a meaningless segment where SmackDown was filmed, where people aren't caring at this point. But it, like the way you presented it, where they're doing it in, in Florida, they're doing it in front of a crowd that's invested, that I actually would like. Because then it does. It sets up these guys to succeed. And then with the Cruiserweight Championship not being on one of the two main shows, it's not holding anyone back. Because if it is on, like you look at all these guys, as all they're capable of is maybe being the Cruiserweight Champion, but nothing else. Yeah. So I would like to see I wouldn't mind if they if they pulled it off the way you did. The way you just yeah. explained it. Yeah, because I mean like and I mentioned uh Cedric Alexander and Brian Kendrick mainly because Brian Kendrick like many people said, he's probably one of two, maybe three people who were on the Cruiserweight Classic who had a gimmick, who had mm-hmm. an, uh, a character 
that can carry over and that character can carry over them more than just being a cruiserweight. Like he can do what he does being going for the, you know, the United States championship or, you know, the intercontinental title. Like he can do all of that. Cedric Alexander, I think him, and I know they teased it. I don't watch the pre-show, but I know they teased it on, on raw, like mm-hmm. the whole thing with him and uh, Alicia Fox. Yeah. I think that's a good, like that's a good valet for him and they develop something and he can do something with that, you know? So, um, I think stuff like that eventually will develop, but you know, I feel like for a lot of them, like they need their own little platform to to, to build off of with fans who actually care and invested in the product. Because when you put them in front of a, a, a bunch of people who who don't really care, it's just it's gonna make the division look bad, at least on television, anyway. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything else you want to get off your chest about wrestling while I have you here? Uh. I want to say something to Aaron Lloyd. Okay. Um, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton are great together. And Bray Wyatt is great. Um, and to Aaron Bicky, I want him. I want to motivate him. Okay. Um, you know, in the mornings when he wakes up and he's just, you know, feel like he's going to have a bad day. Uh-huh. Uh, I want him to listen to this song that motivates me every morning. Uh-huh. It's called I Came to Play. It's the theme song by The Miz. It's a great song, and it will really motivate you. His whole life will change when he finally your, gives in, right? Your whole life will change <laughs> when you get motivated by the king of soul style. A t-shirt that still needs to be made, by the way. It is. I actually came out with the design. I just haven't made it yet. Did you really? Yeah. Well, gotta, uh, I, I look forward to seeing it. So I got to uh, come up with it. But um, only a couple things I have to say. One, mm-hmm. I noticed it the other night when they were talking. Mm-hmm. American Alpha, like if they, if and I know there's been rumors about it. If they bring Angle back, put them with Angle, mm-hmm. make Team Angle 2.0, turn <laughs> them heel because they already have the heel tactics. Though the you know the cocky job mm-hmm. talk, just put put them all together. Let them be heels. Let them do the cocky jock talk, and and do that. Like I feel like they should turn them heel eventually. I think it's the best thing for them because if they make them the squeaky clean, you know, all-American baby faces, I feel like the the segment of the crowd that is not an NXT fan is not going to buy into them. As good as they are, I feel like it, 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 it doesn't play the same way to the SmackDown crowd as it does to the NXT crowd. So if you let that kind of cockiness, that kind of goofy sense of humor they have be more heelish, I feel like it's more likely to catch on than than being booked as like the, the as Stone Cold would say the white meat babyface tag team. Yeah, so I would a, love I, them with Angle. Yeah, and I hate I just hate like how WWE they're always trying to make like face versus heel matches. Like it's okay if you have two heels fight each other. It's okay if you have two faces like the even though I like the Miz. Like if mm-hmm. they had the Ziggler versus uh, Sami Zayn match at, at at Survivor Series, that's fine. They're one, they're not on the same show, and two, like they're two guys that we know we're gonna get a good match from fighting each other. Like it's okay to have that. Like you don't have to have a face and a heel in every fight. You know what I mean? Like even if they turn America Alpha uh, heel and they have to fight the Usos, that's fine. If if they bring the the revival up to SmackDown, they and they face America Alpha and they're both heels, that's fine. That builds that whole alpha male uh, competition thing. So it's just like you don't, they don't need to keep faces and heels just fighting each other. Like it's fine. Like so, uh, you're even, right. <laughs> it's not. I, it's not 1985. You don't need the 
the white hat and the black hat anymore. You don't, yeah. And <laughs> I, it's another thing that really bothers me is, and I like, I know you guys were talking about it on the show, like mm-hmm. people hating Roman Reigns. Me personally, I don't hate Roman Reigns. I, I completely cheered for the the shield spot that they did at Survivor Series. Like, I don't, I don't hate him. I do hate that they don't turn him heel though. That's like that's really what like bothers me so much. Like everyone in your family in this promotion right now is a heel. Why are you the being the the, the odd one out and not being a heel? Just like be a heel. Nijax is a heel. The Usos are heels. Like mm-hmm. the Rock was a heel. Everyone, your whole family are great at being heels. Just turn heel. Yeah, it would. The crowd would immediately love it. It wouldn't even matter what he did. If he, the, the second he made the turn, the crowd would eat it up. It's like they're spiting themselves at this point. Yeah, he's the biggest heel that isn't a heel in the company. Yeah, like it, and it makes it... I just don't like how awkward it gets. Like when he's out there talking to Kevin Owens, and he says, you as Universal Champion is a joke, and I'm the guy, and the crowd immediately starts booing him, it kind of takes the whole segment off track. Yeah, it's like you're the biggest heel that that is not a heel. And it's just like, you don't at this point, if you turn him heel, he doesn't even have to talk. He just has to wreck stuff. Could you imagine if Jericho, you know, has his breakup with Owens and becomes, you know, full-on babyface? You imagine the heat Roman Reigns would get if he went after Jericho. A lot. because And, it's, and that's the another good aspect of what you brought up about Monday Night. You have the dudes who are the heels getting cheered, and you have the dude who's supposed to be the face getting booed. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they love Jericho right now. Like, yeah, you attack Jericho, like, they're going to boo the crap out of you. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's surprising because, like, Vince, you did the same thing with The Rock. They hated The Rock when you bought him out. You turned him heel, and they turned to love him. Just do the same thing with Roman. Like, use the same formula. You've done it with his family the whole time they've been there. Just do it. Just flip it. Yeah, be like Conor McGregor. Apply the lessons you've learned to what you're doing now, and you will improve. And Vince, for whatever reason, does not want to do that. He just he wants to do what he wants to do, and I feel like the more backlash against it, the more set he is on wanting to do it. Yeah, and I, um, I, I I think I read or like I heard recently somewhere like people were like um, when the shield broke up. You know, everyone changed their image, and Roman really didn't. And, like, I feel like it fitted that whole Shield Riot Squad gear and that theme mm-hmm. song. It fit Roman to a T more than it did Seth and Dean, and that's why it was easier for them to transition out and be something else. But that whole character of it was, it was a good look for Roman, and that's why I feel like they kept him like that. Because it was a good fit for him. Now, I just felt like if they did that, that, that part of his image is fine with me. I just feel like if they, if they would have... You know, they obviously was going to be a face because Seth turned heel. But I feel like at a certain point, they should have turned Roman heel again. I it's another another thing I completely agree with you on when I back early on when I started writing for TJR, I wrote about this a lot. Like, and it, it's funny because that's what they did with Eva Marie. Like, they realized like, okay, people just want to boo her. Let's make her worthy of being booed. And then what happened? Everybody actually started to like it. Yeah, until they pulled her off the television. <laughs> right. Which I Which still is... I still miss her, because I, I was loving that entrance for that three or four weeks they actually got to do it. And all I wanted was for her to somehow get the title and just <laughs> never really wrestle to defend it. Oh, God, me too. That's what I wanted so bad. Even at SummerSlam, when she got announced in that match and never came out. Like, I thought that was so great that they did that. But for whatever reason, 
they just don't want to pull that trigger on on Roman. I I don't know. I think it'd be the best thing for him. I like the guy. I think he's got a ton of talent and a bright future. But I feel like they're undermining him every week that goes by that they keep doing the same thing with him. Yeah, and I um I don't I, I didn't finish the whole um episode of the last podcast yet, so I don't know mm-hmm. if Aaron brought it up or not, but like I feel like it's weird how he has a belt and he hasn't defended it. Yeah, we did get to that, and that's what I said. It's my hope was he would get to to have a John Cena type run with the U.S. title, where you kind of take him out of the main event. The fans who resent him being in that spot get to cool off a little bit. He gets to do some good things for the U.S. title and for some of the undercard talent, like help raise their level. And he could kind of build like a new legacy for himself almost. Instead, they just gave it to him and it's just a prop. Yeah, cause I, and I felt like it was bad because it's like he's not the patriotic American wrestler. Like even like what Rusev had it, it was a good stick because he's not American. So mm-hmm. the title, it means something to him. But at the same time, it doesn't because it's an American title. Like I felt like with him, it meant more meaning. But like if you're not like super patriotic, you know, you, like and which is not his image, it doesn't portray him at all. It's kind of pointless to put it on him because it's just it's just a belt that he can carry around with, and, he, and I hate the way he he carries it like on his back, like yeah, the plate it's not behind a stack him. Title. <laughs> yeah, he's it's got the plate stack. behind him. He's hold on his shoulder is like the edge of the belt. Yeah, like he's running away or something. Like no, like this is a belt. <laughs> you wear it on the front of you. Like swear, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of what they've done with that. Now the last thing I want to ask you, because I feel like I'm one of the Last vestiges of hope for Bray Wyatt. Uh, you like what they're doing with Bray and Randy Orton, correct? Yeah. Do you see them being the tag team champions after TLC? Um, I wanted American Alpha to be, but I feel like yeah, they they'll they'll switch they'll take the titles off of uh, Rhino and and Heath and they'll put it on them too. Okay. Now, do you agree with Alo that? Randy is about to turn on Bray, or do you think Randy is in this with Bray for a little while? I think he's going to be in it with Bray for a little while, and I think probably around Mania, he'll reveal the plan like he was just like infiltrating for to get information or whatever, or figuring him out to learn how to beat them or, or tear them apart or whatever. Okay, so you don't look at it as he has succumbed to Bray Wyatt. You look at it like he decided, okay, let me figure this guy out, and then eventually I'll use it, whatever I learn against him. Yeah, because his whole M.O. is he's the viper. He's a snake. So his whole thing is to get in and act like this, but he's really waiting to turn on you. He's waiting to bite you. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like it's just a, a ploy that he's using. Because, I, I mean, and I love how Luke Harbour just does not believe it. Like, yeah. every time, <laughs> every segment, he's just looking at him like, what? Like I don't trust you. Like, <laughs> like and you could tell just kind of like, – and it's funny because Tuesday night, you kind of see it. He's kind of like doing like the, the – the Jericho Owens type of thing, like it was kind of like more so like Bray's my best friend. Yeah, like, are you a part of us? Like, are you our best friend? Like, yeah. To Luke and Luke was just like, like, what are you doing here? Like, I really don't <laughs> believe like you're really a part of us. So I just find it hilarious that Luke is, and he never says anything. He just looks at him like I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, like and I want you to know that I don't trust you. Yeah, he's not a fan of it, and I do like that. Uh, that Randy is really like needling him about it. Like, we need to know, are you with us? Are you going to do your job? And, you know, Harper's been the one that's been there with him all along. You know, he was one of his first disciples, so to speak. 
and now he's being called into question by Randy Orton, who's been around for what a month. Yeah, pretty much month, uh, month, and no, because Randy's been back since at least SummerSlam, so it's probably about two, three months. Okay, so when did he start teaming with Bray? Uh, he did the Bray thing. Yeah, that's probably been about a month and a half, maybe. Okay, so a little longer than a month. Uh, I I kind of have high hopes for it. I hope that it works out for Bray, especially because, you know, Bray's going to be around longer than Randy. So I hope it works out better in the end for Bray than it does for Randy. But I'm starting to get worried that Bray is never going to take off the way, the way I thought he could three years ago. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's right now. I feel like it's harder to get him closer to the title picture because I know they were pushing the whole Dean Ambrose thing and which he does nothing for me like right now like outside of his angle with James Ellsworth like he does nothing for me like <laughs> I would really hate for them to put the title back on him he just does nothing for me especially with that title I feel like AJ he's good at like like you know antagonizing people with the title and he's just been having a good run even though he's been losing to Ellsworth which is ridiculous but <laughs> Well, and I'm I'm st- I, like this Tuesday. I'm just I'm surprised like Ellsworth is alive, like because that that, that Styles clash off the stairs was just like re- it was ridiculous. Like that I'm like, was nasty. Alive. yeah, I'm like, is he alive? Like he's got to be dead. Like he took a chair shot in uh, like a Styles clash off the top of stairs, and I'm like, he's got to be dead. Like there's no <laughs> way like he's alive. Similar but, to Sasha's bump off the apron the other night. Which yeah, took the big I, I thought she. Yeah, and it's it was rough, but I, and I love that match. Like that match is like that's the another the match of the year candidate. We need to take that that Hell in a Cell match out and put that one in. I but, personally um, did that. I I told Alo that's I'm I'm substituting the Hell in a Cell match with the Raw Falls Count Anywhere match. So maybe that'll yeah. be that'll be the real last thing I ask you because this is the biggest event that happened during this week. So yeah, what? How do you feel about one the Sasha Charlotte feud, and how did you feel about that match? I think that is the feud of the year, um, as far as wrestling goes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I feel like that's the feud of the year. Uh, that match, I feel like it was a very important match because it's like you know, after Hell in a Cell, which I mean it was a good match, but it was also like kind of the ending was a little like eh. To be honest, um, yeah, it didn't end on a high so note. Felt, yeah, so I feel like how could they top that, especially being that they're going to put the title back on Sasha, which I mean I didn't know if it was going to happen or mm-hmm. not. Me personally, but I felt like how they were thinking like how do we top that, and that match definitely topped that. And I felt like if we'd have got that at at Hell in a Cell, that would have been you know a big bigger <laughs> thing for that event than yeah. the Hell in a Cell was. <laughs> but <clears throat> but I think they they they've They've done. I've done themselves every time that they fought this year, um, and I think it's a good rivalry. I think that match was definitely needed. I think that match definitely was a big deal, especially being that the title changed hands. Mm-hmm. Just showing uh, all the stuff that Sasha had to go through in that match to get that title, mm-hmm. and I think it made the title change meaningful for her with the way that they did the match with, you know, her dedicating it to Flair, playing a that storyline of, you know, her disrespecting her dad and, you know, and him coming down and saying, you know, well, now she has my approval. And, you know, and even with them bringing Flair down, because I know people, you know, like you guys were saying, they're, uh, they're, 
guys get upset about, you know, males coming down and ruining their moment. I think Flair coming down the way he did, you know, just, you know, doing that razor hang and getting out the ring, I think that was a big deal. And it mm-hmm. played on the storyline of Charlotte disrespecting her dad. So further down the line, if whether they continue with after this, because, you know, WWE say, oh, this is over, and then they'll keep yeah. <laughs> with it. So it's like whether they continue with it or they visit it down the line, that's something that Charlotte can pick at with, with Sasha and can continue that story whenever they, you know, decide to do it again. Yeah, I thought what Flair did was absolutely perfect because, and this is exactly the way I put it on the show, he didn't, he didn't come down and do all his Flair gimmick stuff. He calmly walked down, he walked in the ring, he congratulated her, he raised her hand basically thanking her for what she had done and put her over in, in his city. Like, that was a huge deal, I thought. It, it really, like, bumped up the, everything that happened before that, right, raised it to another level. Yeah, I definitely felt like Charlotte was going to lose because Vince does not like putting people over in their hometowns for now for some reason. Like, I have no yeah. idea. It is really weird. Was, yeah, when Sasha they were over in Charlotte, I was like, she's losing. Like, <laughs> there's no way she's keeping that title. It's almost, it's almost getting to the point now where I'm starting to expect people to win because it's too obvious that they're going to lose in their hometown. Like, that's much, almost yeah. where I'm getting. We're like, oh, she'll win because we keep talking about how everybody loses in their hometown, but they just keep doing it. And it's been happening all year. It's like, you know, uh, when they did SummerSlam, they're in the New York, Jersey area. Enzo and Cass lose. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, like, how? Then you go to, uh, you know, even Survivor Series, you're in Canada. You have the team that Jericho and KO is on lose. It's like, just it's crazy. It's like, you know, soon it's, it's, you might as well not put titles on the line in people's hometown. It's like, all right, we know you're changing hands because like, yeah. they're not going to win in their hometown. Yeah, it's, it's like, not going to like sticking it to people's hometown. <laughs> and maybe that's what Vince wants to do. He likes kind of shoving it back in our face. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it, man. But as far as, I mean, the product goes, like it's it's always entertaining. It, it may not, everything about it may not be entertaining, but it's entertaining. And I'm, um, probably my last point to say is I, mm-hmm. I just want to see what they're going to do with Mickey James because I want her to come back. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it. I'm assuming you haven't either. I've heard that the ball is pretty much in her court of whether she wants to be an NXT at least. So. Okay. Well, I, I will give her credit. I thought she was great in that match with Asuka, and she was somebody who was kind of at her height when I wasn't watching, so I didn't have... I didn't have as much of a connection to her as a lot of other fans did, but I was very impressed with the performance she put on, and I wanted to see more. So I, with the, I'm with you. I, w- I would like to see her stick around for a bit. Yeah, I had a, a, a crush on Mickey James and, and more. <laughs> her and Victoria at that time. Past so, tense? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're still good-looking women, so. <laughs> but I have a girlfriend now, so I'm pretty sure she would not like that. So <laughs> You're right. So definitely past tense. Yeah, so definitely. Um, but yeah, you know, so I, I want to see her come back and you know do. I, I would love to see her wrestle Oscar again. I will if they if they somehow get her Oscar and Ember Moon in a triple threat for the NXT Women's Title. I think that would be dope too. So um, I just I think they could use her in the women's division at NXT right now, and you know she's a she's a, a seasoned talent. So I think that'll help. Um, she could help with uh, bringing up the uh, talent, the women talent that's there now as well. So I think she, she could be useful down there for now and then, you know, eventually make her way back up to the main roster. 
Yeah, I'm writing down right now that if they do ever make a triple threat match for the NXT Women's Championship with Ember Moon, Mickie James, and Asuka, we heard it here from Donovan the Lowdown Lloyd first. I would love to see it, personally. Um, yeah, I don't see why not. Like, give it to us. Why? Why not? Yeah, well, I hope that you got to get a lot of this stuff off your chest, that you came on here to get off your chest. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel good. All right, so good. Like, I want you to know, you know, I've, I've told you this before, I feel like you're an integral part of our show. You, you provide us with things to, to have some interesting conversation about on a weekly basis. So this forum is always open to you when you want it. So anytime you want to do it, just let me know. I'll have you on here. Uh, so it was, it was a good time catching up with you. I always love getting to talk some fight fight game with you. Likewise. Uh, so that's the show for Donovan the Lowdown Lloyd. Thank you for being here. I am AKA Ron. the mouth of the <laughs> yeah. mouth. AKA the face of the heel. <laughs> AKA the whole effing podcast. <laughs> I will leave it at that. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next time. All right. Got them now, put them down right now, hit them with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land. Off the cell, fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome well. What I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.